together. And God, I just, I ask that you would um, just calm everything. I ask, Father, that you would speak to us. Um, I'm, I'm saying things out of my mouth, Father, but it's supposed to be about you. Um, it's supposed to be glorifying to you and point us all to you, including me. So I ask, I ask for that. And I ask, Father, that you would work in us, that you would sanctify our body. You would make us a people that love you and love your word, that see who you are clearly. That the rest of the world may know that you are God. And that you are holy, that you are blameless, that you are righteous, and there is no one other than you. You alone are holy. We love you, Father. We ask, God, that you would be pleased with what happens this morning. In your name, amen. Please be seated. Get some water here because I, I have cotton mouth like nobody's, nobody's business here. I am super excited every time that I get to come. I don't come up a lot, but when I come up, I am excited um, to preach, to come up and open up God's Word, to wrestle with different things, um, to think about stuff. It, it forces me. I, I have a date set. I have to come up here. I have to say something. And so I can't just gloss over some of the things like if I'm just in my devotional time. And so I, 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 I come before you and I'm excited to exhort it and I'm excited to learn myself. And when we get to begin with singing and all of these songs are just focused on God, it sets the table, it prepares us, and it prepares our hearts to hear His Word. And I, I want to thank um, some different people in our church um, that helped me as I wrestle through some things, as, I, as I'm trying to think and I'm trying to say, well, what is going on here? Um, one of those people specifically is, is Steve Schlerf, and, and I just, I thank you. Thank you, brother. I, I can call him up and I say, I have no clue what is going on here. And we'll have little conversations here and there. And, uh, and, I, and I thank you. I thank you for doing that. And uh, my brother-in-law, last night, I'm wrestling with stuff. We're, we are a body here of people, iron sharpening iron. I'm no better than anyone else. I'm no different than anyone else. I had some different school and training or whatever, but we need each other to sharpen one another. And I'm, and I'm thankful for that. I'm also excited because today is baptism day. My son's getting baptized too. Um, so we're continuing through the book of Matthew, um, going through it, and we're going to look at a familiar passage today. I know all the Gospels are familiar, but this one we know about. There's a woman that's been bleeding for 12 years. There's a girl that died 12 years old, and she's raised back to life. And so Jesus, up in the, to this point in his ministry, has definitely made a name for himself amongst his own people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Some of the people hated Jesus, some loved Jesus. Many were curious at what Jesus was doing. And so there's large crowds following Jesus, for the most part. Some places didn't really want to see him. If you remember back a few weeks ago when Brad preached um, about the demon-possessed men, um, Jesus sails across the Sea of Galilee, and as we see, Jesus is always intentional about everything he does. <laughs> Brad, Brad pointed out, he says, well, why don't you park the boat over here? Um, it's in the graveyard area. There's demon-possessed. No, park the boat over here. They get out of the boat. The demon-possessed men come rushing up to Jesus, and Jesus casts out the demons into the group of pigs that are over there, the herd of pigs, whatever you want to call them. They go into the water. They drown themselves and die. The people realize, we think, the reason why they wanted Jesus to leave is Jesus is holy. Jesus is righteous. We're not. We're afraid. Jesus, would you get away from us? Would you depart from us? So they ask Jesus, to leave. So Jesus gets back in the boat with his disciples and those who are with him. He says, sells back to his own city, the area of Capernaum. And there, there's large groups of people waiting for him. They know who Jesus is. They had heard him preach in the synagogues. They knew what he was about. They have witnessed him healing. They witnessed him cast out demons in their own area. And so there's all these people with different needs Mixed crowds of people, some wanting to be healed, some 
curious as to what he's going to say. Then there was also the Pharisees, by and large, the religious leaders that were just waiting to see Jesus stumble. And they wanted to be able to accuse him of being a blasphemer, um, not the Messiah. But this didn't stop or slow Jesus one bit. Jesus didn't have any fear of man because he is God. He's the Savior of the world and he was going to proclaim the truth. He was intentional about everything he did. He had authority over everything. And he did things that just appalled people. As we learned when Pastor Bob was preaching, he, he's walking along and he, Matthew the tax collector is there and, and as Pastor Bob explained, more than likely, Matthew knew who Jesus was. He had heard some of his teaching. So this wasn't their first encounter. And Jesus says, follow me. So the tax collector, the one that everyone hates, <laughs> that's looked down upon, Jesus says, follow me and Matthew follows him. And they're saying, what are you doing, Jesus? Why? Why are you with this guy? And he says to him, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, of a physician, but those who are sick. And everyone's sick. But there are some people that were blind that didn't realize they were sick. And then Jesus continues on to Matthew's house and he reclines at his table and they're partying. As uh, Levi was talking about this a little bit last week, Jesus is at their house and he's partying and he's, he's having fellowship and spending time with all of these sinners, the tax collectors. And then it's at this time where Matthew, or John the Baptist's disciples come up to Jesus. And Levi was pointing out, we don't really know exactly how they were feeling at that moment. John might have been already dead. Um, he might have been in jail. But they're watching Jesus also, and they're, they're trying their best to follow what John's taught them. And John said, behold, this is, this is the one whose sandals I'm unworthy to um, going to tie in. Here's, here's Jesus. This is the Messiah. And so they're wondering, what, what are you doing, Jesus? It looks like you're doing some things that we're not quite sure about. We're fasting. And the Pharisees fast. How, how come your disciples aren't fasting? And Jesus says, well, while the bridegroom is with you, you don't need to fast. And Levi talked about when you go to a wedding and the bride's there and the groom's there, that's the time to rejoice. It's the time to party and, and celebrate. Jesus is the Messiah. That's what he's saying right there. He says, I am the one. There's going to be a time when I depart from you and you're going to miss me. You're going to desire. You're going to want more of me. Fasting is like the explanation point on prayer. It's saying, I need you. I need more of you. God, would you, by your grace, give me more of you? But Jesus is saying, I'm here right now. I'm here. Rejoice. I am the Messiah. And it's at that moment where our story is going to begin this morning. If you have your Bibles, or you can follow along on here, would you turn to Matthew chapter 9? We're going to look at verses 18 through 26. Matthew chapter 9, 18 through 26. While he was saying these things to them, behold, A ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all the district. This account is talked about in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And Matthew, in a Matthew-esque way, this is what he does (laughs) throughout the whole book of Matthew, he kind of telescopes to the main point. The point being that Jesus is Messiah. That's his focus. He is just 
looking at that this is the one. This is the promised one that is to come. And so in doing so, he leaves out some different parts of the story. And he does that on purpose because he wants us to stay focused. And I want to stay focused on that main point because that's what we're in. We're in the book of Matthew. But there's a couple other things that I hope to draw out of our story this morning. And so to do that, instead of going back and forth between Matthew and, and Mark, I would like to read also Mark's account. So if you would also look at Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well." And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowds pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling And fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what was said, what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up, began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. He told them to give her something to eat. So we have the scene set here. Jesus is talking with John's disciples. And then there's that awesome word that Matthew uses. It says, behold, look at this. This is amazing. Do you see what's happening? Do you see what's coming? There's a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. He's coming up to Jesus. This is something to look out for. Look, look at this. This doesn't happen. More than likely, Jairus might even be a Pharisee. He had a lot to lose. There was a lot at stake for Jairus. I mean, Politically. I mean, he, he, was, he was most likely on the side of those that are trying to put Jesus in jail, trying to show that he's a blasphemer. Jairus is running up to Jesus. Some of the translations say he fell at his feet and he worshipped him. And then he says to her, to him, my little girl is, and it says two different things, one in Matthew and one in Mark. It says in Matthew, my little girl is, dead, come and lay your hand on her, she'll be made well. And then in Mark, it says she's at the point of death. This sermon, and I don't even have the ability to explain it, is not about textual criticism, 
but we do need to talk just briefly about it. So what, what is going on here? There's a few different things that could be going on. There's tons of commentaries about it. Um, maybe Matthew, it, because he telescopes, he's just going on a little bit further in the story. So he's jumping ahead to the point of when his daughter's dead, but probably not, because everything else doesn't fall into place. Um, one of the areas that Steve was helping me out a little bit with, I'll probably butcher it. Um, the speaking is in Aramaic. And so when it's written, down from Mark and the rest of them, it's, it's being written in Greek. So maybe there was some issue with the, the translation. Did I say that right? Something like that. Yeah, he's like, I could do a lot better. But, um, there's also some translations, even that use the Matthew's account, and they translate it as Matthew, even recording it, that the daughter is near death. So we're going to conclude, we're jumping to the conclusion. I know that's not going to satisfy a lot of different people if you really want to get down in, into it. She has not died yet. Okay? Jairus is coming up to Jesus. He's throwing himself down at his feet and worshiping him and saying, if you would just come, my daughter is near the point of death, would you come and lay your hand on her so that she may be healed? And Jesus rises and he follows. And there's other people following along with him. Jairus is going along with him. And then all of a sudden, something happens. The word behold happens again in Matthew. He says, behold, here's something else that's amazing. Look, look what just happened. There's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, pushed through the crowd and touched his garment. Some translations say tassel. Touch his garment. Behold, this is amazing. This is an amazing thing. Jesus felt the power go from him. He stops. Turns around and looks. Who touched me? He waits. He waits for a reply. The the woman looks around, realizes, found out there's no way that I'm getting out out of it from out of this and she comes up fear and trembling falls before the Lord and tells him everything that has happened I was sick I was bleeding for 12 years and now I am healed this is so amazing because she's unclean she's an outcast we have the extreme polar opposites here in our story we have the faith of a man who is revered in society. He is, he is looked up at. He probably has money. People listen to him. And he's fallen before Jesus with faith. And Jesus says, shows him compassion. And now we have an outcast. A woman that is people run away from. Coming up to Jesus with faith. Believing, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. It's amazing because in the Mosaic Law, we're told that she's unclean because she's she's bleeding. We go back um, to the book of Leviticus. And I want to read this passage to to get an idea of, of really what's taking place here. Leviticus 15, 25 through 31. Now, this whole chapter talks about even men with, with bodily discharges and different things, how they're unclean. I want to see what this woman's going through, what, what she's suffering from here. Leviticus fifteen twenty five through 31. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of her discharge she shall continue in uncleanness, as in the days of her impurity she shall be unclean every bed on which she she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as a bed of her impurity and everything on which she sits shall be unclean as in the uncleanness of her menstrual impurity and whoever touches these things shall be unclean you realize that you touched even the chair that she sat on you were unclean and shall 
And whoever touches these things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. So, so no matter what, if you come in contact with you, you touch anything she's touched, you're unclean at least till nighttime. We're going to get to why that's so horrible. But if she is cleansed of her discharge, she shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. And on the eighth day... She shall take two turtle doves and two pigeons and bring them to the priest to the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall use one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for her unclean discharge. And here's why this is so huge. She can't go to the tent of meeting. She can't go to the place where they offer the sacrifices. You have to stay away from it. You can't come before the Lord. It says, this is God's peace. says, thus... You shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. God is holy. He is righteous. There is no impurity, no blemish in our Savior. You cannot come before God with any impurity, and live. That's a good thing for us to know, right? You don't want to go to heaven where there's sin. Jesus doesn't allow it to be there. That's why God does all these things because He is a loving, good God. He says, you are unclean. There cannot be anything that's going to defile around me. He sets these laws and separation for the people's benefit, and to realize what holiness is, how great He is, what it means that He is righteous. We need to realize this. We need to realize that our God is holy. It is a serious thing. So this woman had a serious problem. She wasn't just full of sickness from bleeding and hurting from it. She, she, she had to do, I mean, mentally, it must have been horrible for her. I mean, Naomi reminded me, when, when someone's unclean and they're going around other people and stuff like that, and people are getting near them, maybe going to brush by them, and they don't realize that they're bleeding and stuff like that, they have to say, unclean, unclean. The people would part and get around them. So for 12 years, she's going through all this anguish and different things are happening to her. And... It says in Mark that she had heard about Jesus. She heard the teachings of Jesus. She knew what he was about. And she told herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. We don't know her schooling and what she knows about about the Old Testament. Maybe she was familiar with what it taught in Malachi when it talked about the Savior, the Messiah that's to come. In Malachi 4.2, It says, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, in its wings. Some of the translations, they talk about how the wings could be referred to as the garments. So maybe she's thinking, this is the Savior. If I only touch his garment, the wing of his garment, I could be made well. If that's so, she's, she's, she's she's professing right there that Jesus is the Messiah. Her faith was not just, I'm in desperation so much so I just want to be healed. No, she's she's thinking, I have a lot to to lay on the line right now. If I touch, if I go through all these people, I'm making all of them unclean. And I'm touching him. This is a big (laughs) no-no. Big things could happen to her. Bad things for doing all this. She believed Jesus was the Messiah. She had that faith. That if I only go up behind him and I touch him, and then Jesus pauses, feels it go out from him. He, he was able to differentiate all the touching from the, the other people around him. Saving faith had just touched. She had faith that he was the Messiah. Stops. Imagine Jairus. <laughs> Come and heal my daughter. She's at the point of death. Jesus is going along. He gets touched. Stops. We have no clue how Jairus... Did Jairus have peace because of his faith? Jesus gave him just to trust. Jesus stops and looks. He's intentional about everything. He's intentional about 
park the boat over here. There's demon possessed men over here. Okay. I'm going to pick the tax collector over here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Everything Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. I am God. Trust in me. I'm the promised one. Jesus stops. He's in control. That's our God. I go like this because I think it's cool. I know I'm a dork. All my friends think so too. All one of them. Um, Jesus stops. Thanks, Dad. Father like son. I know. Um, He stops because he's in control. I think also to remind us that, that he is in control right there. To show us that we don't need to worry when Jesus is with us. Our faith needs to be put in him. Jairus, we have no clue. He, he might be sitting there scratching his head. And I just think about how many times, and, and this is all the time for me. I'm, I'm falling. I don't know if you realize this. I'm a sinner. <laughs> but I worry. There's so many times where different things come up in my life. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have faith, God. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you. Okay, I'm having trouble. I have faith in you. How come this isn't? Where are you going to take care of this? We go back a few chapters, chapter 6, and Jesus says, I will provide everything you need. The lilies of the field are clothed. How much more am I going to clothe you? I'm going to provide everything that you need. Fears of this world, I mean, I watch the news everywhere. There's always things that come up in my life, paying the bills and everything like that. Jesus, Jesus pauses in moments like this over and over again through these scriptures to show, trust me, trust me. And in the worst news that Jairus could have heard comes while Jesus is taking care of another person. One of the messengers from Jairus' house come up and said, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. And then something really interesting, I think. We see Jesus' compassion and mercy also here. We don't see then that Jairus comes up to Jesus and says, my daughter's dead now, don't worry about it. We don't even know what happens there. All we know is that Jesus overhears. And Jesus doesn't just sit there looking at him and say, oh, are you going to still have faith in me? No. No, we don't have the faith we need. Jesus gives us the faith we need. Jesus says, says to him, you know, take, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. It's okay. Jesus has compassion. He cares what's going on. He knows what Jairus is going through. He knows everything. So, Jesus continues on to Jairus' house. And when they get there, there's a weeping and wailing and mourning going on. And in that time period and stuff, we don't really have this much now. I think in the Jewish time, maybe even now they still do it. But even the poor people had enough money where they would pay a couple flute players and then at least one mourner, two mourners to come and do this thing called wailing. They'd have the music going. And most likely, it was people from his own congregation at the synagogue. And what, what, what they did was they researched things about the family. So they would find out things about the 12-year-old girl. And they, they would learn about her. Oh, you know, at age six, she started riding her bike. I know they didn't have, probably didn't have bikes. But um, I'm trying to think. They, they learned different big things that happened in the child's life in that time frame. They, they learn about the, the family's past. And so they, they try to figure out, okay, so all these things happen with them. And so their purpose was then, while the, while the immediate family is there, mourning over their, over their dead loved one, to say, remember when, whatever her name is, Tabitha or whatever, Learn to ride her bike and how joyful she was. And then the family, and everything, oh yes, I remember that. Oh, and then there's wailing and everything. There's all this commotion. So that the family's mourning and listening. And all this stuff is going on. And it's a time of remembrance. And Jesus comes up. Go away. You need to leave. And he sends all of these wailers and the mourners out of there. And he tells them, 
the girl's not dead. She's sleeping. And in all accounts say that they laughed at him. Which is, literally, they, they mocked Jesus. What are you thinking? So clearly, the girl is dead. I mean, they didn't bring in all the mourners before she died. It was after she died that they brought in the mourners. Okay, the girl has passed away. She is deceased. Jesus, what are you talking about? She's dead. We're here. Jairus is paying us. Jairus, Jairus has faith, right? I mean, he, he's, he's, he believes Jesus is going to heal her because he didn't tell him, whoa, whoa, I already started paying him. You know, can we wait at least a little bit so I get my... No. Faith, faith in Jesus. And Jesus says, only Peter, James, and John and the parents of the girl are going to come into the room with me. He sends away everyone else. Jesus isn't looking at making a, a big name for himself here. He has compassion. He has mercy on people who are hurting. And he goes in with the little girl. He lays his hand on her. And he tells her to rise. And her spirit returns to her. And then he tells him, give her something to eat. Another indication. It's not just her spirit that is alive here. Her body is risen. Real, our bodies, we, need, we, we can eat food. Spirit, I don't you know. So he healed her. Jesus is in control of everything. And he has power to heal. He has power to raise the dead to life. He's in control of all the situations. And so, the question is, is we just heard this, this story. And we've listened to these two miracles. And so the question is, so what are we going to do with this? What is our response to this message? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe Jesus is God? And then the question is, is are you desperate for Him? As I read this over and over again, I just kept thinking, they are desperate. They are desperate for Jesus. And that question is so relevant for us, even if we're already a Christian. Are you desperate for Jesus in your own life right now? I want to have the faith that Jairus had. I want to have the faith that the woman who was bleeding had. I want to just look at everything in my life, not worry about anything that anyone thinks about me at work, not worry about money or my work or my job or anything else. I want to be able to say, count it all as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. I want to be desperate for Him. You, I can guarantee you, if they had, they had the, the faith and they were going up, if I just do this, if I just touch Him, I'm going to be healed. She believed it. Clearly, it tells us that. But when she was healed, all of a sudden, I bet it was a lot more than she thought. I mean, she was washed. Not only was she healed, but her sins were forgiven. When we go back to Mark's account, he differentiates this. He separates her physical healing from her spiritual healing, being saved from her sins. what happens when I don't follow. Oh, come on. In Mark's account, this is what he says in verse 34. says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And be healed of your disease. Two things happen. She's healed, and she has faith. Matthew's account, the word is, and I don't know how to say it right, sozo, something like that. That's what MacArthur said. It means to be saved. Your faith has saved you. And so, when I look at this, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, so how, how are we going to, how do we apply this? We look at this and we say, okay, for one, 
The question is, is do we believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Okay, so a lot of people in here are already Christians. We've already committed our faith to him. And then we say, but are we desperate for Jesus? And we have mountaintop times in our life, and we have valleys in our relationship with Jesus. We have times where we doubt. We have times where we're on fire for Christ. We're not always desperate for him. But we can come before God and we can ask, God, make me desperate for you. Return to me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me, knowing that it's by him and through him that we have that faith. I was looking at this story and I was saying, you know what? It's easy for everyone to attribute all the glory to God in this story. Jesus is in control of it. Jesus healed him. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, everything that happens as we go through the gospel is clear. Jesus is in control. Jesus does all these things. But there's one area that we need to be careful with in misinterpreting. We might attribute the faith that Jairus has and the faith that the woman has to Jairus and to the woman. I say, wow, Jesus is powerful. And pat Jairus on the back and pat the woman on the back for their great faith that they have. You can't produce that faith. That faith just doesn't show up out of thin air. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 through 6 with me, this was our reading earlier. We read through the whole section. I think the pinnacle of God's glory is seen in the fact that He's the author of their faith. He says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay? So, so there's those that are blind. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. This is Paul talking here. We don't proclaim ourselves, but we proclaim but Jesus Christ as Lord. Okay? We don't, we don't get any of the glory here. We don't get any of the credit. We proclaim Christ. What do we proclaim Christ for? It's going to say it right here. Verse 6. This is a description about, of how you were saved and how I was saved. How Jairus got faith and how the woman had faith. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God is good. God is perfect. He's the definition of those. Mathematical equation, Levi, I got this one. If God is those are is those things, are those things, and you have God in you, then you have something good in you. Right? You have you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you take God out of the equation, what in you is good? Nothing. We're about ready to sing the song, Jesus, thank you. I was like, what was the name? I forgot. It says in the song, once your enemy, now seated at the table, if we don't have God in us, we are His enemies. We are dark. There is nothing in us that wants God. In fact, we are opposed to anything of the light. We are running to hell. We don't want You, Jesus. When God created the world out of nothing, it was vast darkness. And God said, let there be light. And there was
Where did Jairus get his faith? Where did the woman get her faith? Is that not the pinnacle of the glory of God right there? We never pat ourselves on the back and say, I saved myself. I was smart enough to pick Christ. One of the hardest things, I think, with being a police officer and working out on the streets is that you start to get self-righteous because you're dealing with low life, right? Scumbags, dirtbags. No, we don't say that. Um, it's only by God's grace that we're not in the one in the back seat. It's only by God's grace when you have the faith to overcome the trials that you're going through. It's only by God's grace that people are healed, that your granddaughter is healed. So everything goes to the glory of God. And I think when we see that, we're staying true to what Matthew's trying to tell us in, in his gospel, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's everything. And that is super applicable to every part of our lives. It changes how we look at everything. It is all about him. Anything good. Every good and perfect gift is from above. I wanted to close with a sentence from, uh, it's a quote from uh, Brian Sussmelch. So I was in here looking at my, my sermon last night, and I'm looking through it, and I get out because he's, he's cleaning, and he leaves me this note. He's an encouraging guy. The top quote is the MacArthur quote. I'm not using that one. I'm going to use Brian Sussmelch's quote. He says, The one who has authored our faith sustains our faith because he is also the perfecter and finisher of our faith. It comes from Him, sustained by Him, and brought to completion because of Him. It's good. That's Brian Sussmelch. Jesus and Jesus and Brian Sussmelch. Right? I just totally blew the whole thing. I gave all the credit to him. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, what am I preaching about? Right? It makes no sense. And... We also move into communion with this thought. By God's grace, He was pleased to put Himself on the cross. It wasn't the Romans that did it. It was His plan. John 10.18 Jesus told us that no one takes His life from Him, but He lays down His life by His own authority. That's a good Savior. It's a God that loves us. Let's have communion together.
Once your enemy, now seated, now seated at your table, you say, Jesus, Jesus, thank you. It's everything. For I received from the Lord what I, was, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I just ask, Father, that you'd be glorified in us, and I thank you. Thank you for saving us. Please speak to us. Please be with us throughout the week. I pray that we would shine for you. In your name, amen. There's a treasure Oh, hey. 